So the last few weeks we've been talking about the gifts, the gift, the gifts. And there's been a bit of contention, I don't know about the Logan congregation, but there's been a bit of contention here around how many, how many wise men, were they all men? Don't even go there. We know that if they were women, they would have bought practical gifts like casseroles in disposable containers, so there was no washing up. But I just want you to know this morning, these kings were actually just self-appointed guys, and we have confirmed that there were in fact four. Uh, I have a picture of them for you. Um, Four wise men. We just don't talk about the fourth one because um, he bought a fruitcake. So clear answers, I've done my research, theologian Gary Larson, complimentary. So now that is cleared up, we can continue. How many December babies do we have in the house? Your birthday's in December. Anyone got a Christmas Eve or Christmas Day birthday? No, no, raise your hand, it's okay. We want to affirm you. We want you to know that we see you, that you are, in fact, really worthy of a birthday and... More than that, Jesus sees you because he was a December baby too. And in fact, people always confuse Christmas Day and his birthday for his entire life. Um, Some of you are still thinking about that joke. Um, Don't write me an email saying Jesus wasn't actually born on the 25th of December. That's for luke.neil at hopecenter.com. Ben.stewart at hopecenter.com. But this morning doesn't matter when your birthday is. I want to talk to you for a moment about Jesus. This is serious. But each gift we read about in the story of the wise men has a meaning. They're gifts with purpose. They're gifts, in fact, that were prophetic. That told not just the story of a baby born in a manger and three self-appointed wise men, however many there were, that brought gifts to him. In fact, each of the gifts represents something profound and prophetic about not only who that baby was, but who for eternity he would be. And gifts make a statement. Sometimes they make a statement about the giver. Sometimes they make a statement about the person receiving the gifts. But gifts really do make a statement. Um, I would like to be the first to acknowledge that gifts are my love language. Anybody else? You, yes, raise your hand higher because people will see it and then they'll buy you something. Yeah, okay, gifts are your love language. You have spent the last three months curating gifts for your family and friends, for the people that you truly love. You've been to not one store and just bought, you know, $500 worth of things. That's inappropriate, people. You curate gifts by personally selecting them for the, amen, selecting them for the people that they're going to be received by because gifts have meaning right and you know that if you're married to someone and they don't have that as their love language they're shopping on Christmas Eve and they may as well not because if you haven't thought about this for at least a month it doesn't mean anything right because gifts are important think about for a moment a memorable gift that you've received maybe you still have that gift I know there's gifts that are treasured, remembered, held onto, passed down even from one generation to the next. Why? Because they have meaning. They're so 
important. They're so profound. Sometimes you get a gift and um, you didn't want it to mean what it meant. If your spouse buys you orthotics for Valentine's Day, um, it has meaning, right? It's just not the meaning you were hoping for. Um, reading glasses for Mother's Day kind of fit in that same category. Like, There's meaning in the gift, but it's not the meaning that you wanted it to be. And quite frankly, myrrh is a bit like that. Gold says Jesus is a king. Awesome. Mary has this visitation from the angel and the angel says, you're going to give birth supernaturally to the king of kings, to the Messiah, to the one who's been promised from heaven, supernatural king. Amazing. Amen. Gold, frankincense is, you know, a beautiful perfume. It talks about Jesus, our healer, our high priest. Of course, the Messiah was going to have such a profound gift. I can only imagine the wise man who bought myrrh may not have received that exact same response. Like, did you keep the receipt? It comes to mind because... Myrrh is used for embalming. It speaks actually about death. It speaks about the sacrifice that Jesus would eventually make. And I can only imagine Mary opening that gift and going, uh, no, 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 I, I don't really think my two-year-old has any need for that. But the gift spoke not about who Jesus was in that moment, but who he would be for all eternity. And sometimes, as we saw this morning, a joyful time can even be mixed with a tinge of desperation, a tinge of sadness. There's some of you who this week will simultaneously be celebrating and mourning. There might be an empty seat at your Christmas table this year. And in the midst of all the celebration, you can acknowledge their sadness. Mary knew what that was like. I can only imagine her opening that gift of myrrh and realising that, in fact, he was the son of God. And she had agreed that one day he would be the saviour of the world. And the hardship and the struggle that that would have been as he grew. Ephesians 2 verse 14 says, For he himself is our peace who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. In that moment, Mary understood that for him to be our peace was going to be very disruptive. For him to truly be our peace forever, for all eternity, there would come division. There would be a moment where it felt like everything was lost. Isaiah 53 prophesies it this way. He was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one for whom people hide their faces, he was despised and he was held in low esteem. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And so the Lord makes his life an offering for sin. He will see his offering and prolong his days and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. That doesn't sound glamorous. It doesn't sound like the Messiah. I can't wait to give birth to the Messiah. I can't wait for the Messiah to come because the image of what that was going to be was just so joyful and so triumphant and so amazing. 
despised and held in low esteem, crushed. Sounds awful. And it was. The gift of Mer prophesied that he would do away once and for all with the sacrifice that was needed. They were used to going to the temple. They were used to seeing sacrifice. But it had never occurred to them that Jesus would be the one who was the sacrifice. Once and for all, scripture says, once and for all, we owe nothing now apart from our response to him because of what he has done. Hebrews 7.25, we've been reading this over the last few weeks. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. He's alive this morning. He lives to make intercession for you. Friends in Logan this morning, he lives to make intercession for you. Wherever you are, whatever you've done, Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, foretold by the gift of myrrh, means that you and I no longer bring sacrifice. You and I no longer have to go through the motions. Once and for all, Jesus died and now he lives. And now he lives and he lives to make intercession for you and I. Does that just blow your mind? That the Messiah, the Savior of all of the world is in heaven. Seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for you. He's the intermediary. He has done all that needs to be done. Incredible. You know, some things make sense in hindsight. Ever been in that situation and you think, this just doesn't make sense. And then a few years later, sometimes decades later, you think, oh yeah, it does. In that moment, it was so confusing, so difficult to understand, so beyond the realms of comprehension. Myr is like that. Myr makes no sense to give to a small child. Just why? It's really invalid. Why would you do that? But when we look from the perspective of the cross, we understand Jesus wasn't just king of kings. He wasn't just our high priest. He was also the lamb, sacrificed once and for all for you and I. That in his death, death was in fact defeated so that we could live. I hope you understand this Christmas, it's not just a baby in a manger. It's actually a risen king. It's actually Jesus Christ, Lord of lords. It makes sense in hindsight. In light of the story that we now celebrate at Easter time, Christmas makes sense. All around the world, this season, people will celebrate the birth of a baby. Why? It makes sense in light of a crucified and resurrected Saviour. There's so much joy in that this morning. There is so much peace in that this morning. There is so much in that this morning personally for you, in your circumstance, in your situation, and in mine. A baby born is not actually a sensational part of the story. Babies get born. Some of you are hoping that, you know, in the next coming weeks, babies will get born. When it's 40 degrees outside, babies get born. But this young man was sent to defeat death in order to bring us eternal life. That's the hindsight that makes sense 
of the gift of myrrh. That's the hindsight that you and I get to live in, to say, oh, thank you, God, for sending Jesus. Thank you, God, for sending Jesus. The truth is that he accepted humanity, the ultimate sacrifice, became human to the point of the most human thing that there ever is, death, in order that we could accept the sacrifice and exchange death for life. What a gift. What a gift. He denied his deity in order to be human to bring us life. Wow. William C. Dix wrote the hymn and carol, What Child Is This? in 1865. He wasn't a pastor. He wasn't a musician. In fact, he was an insurance salesman. He was struck with a terrible illness at the age of 29 and as he lay on his bed, he cried out to God and had a supernatural encounter with the one who took his burdens from him. He wrote this. He who is the bread of life began his ministry hungering. He who is the water of life ended his ministry thirsty. Christ hungered as man, yet fed the multitudes as God. He was weary, yet he is our rest. He prayed, and yet he hears our prayers. He was sold for 30 pieces of silver, and yet he redeems the sinners. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and yet he is our good shepherd. He died, and by dying, destroyed death. What a great gift, friends. What an unbelievable gift. You might be walking into this Christmas with pain, with heartache, maybe with disappointment. 2023 wasn't in fact all you'd hoped it would be. There is one gift that brings hope everlasting and that is the gift of the one who defeated death so that you and I could have life. John 10.10 is one of my absolute favourite scriptures. You've probably heard it many times. I'll read it to you. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. In the words of Jesus, I have come, that they may have life and have it to the full. The amazing thing about this scripture, which I'd never really realised before, was that the king would have said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that I may have life and have it to the full. That was the way of the world. It's still the way of the world today. I've come that I may have a full life. I've come that I may celebrate everything. I have come that I may. Jesus had a completely different perspective to the purpose of him living and dying on this earth. His purpose was I have come that they, that you, that I, that in 2023... We may have life to the full through him. He didn't come to make his own life full. He came to make your life full. Eternal and everlasting life. In a moment in Logan, Pastor Ben's going to come and we're going to pray for people. In the moment in Brisbane, we're going to pray for people. You want to say, I need eternal and everlasting life. I'm done doing this my own way. I'm done living for myself, trying to make my own life full. It's not working. It's a gift that we get to receive, the fact that Jesus came.
Let me read to you Romans 5, verse 6 to 8, out of the message translation. And then we're going to stand together and we're going to pray. It says this, Christ arrives right on time to make this happen. He didn't and doesn't wait for us to be ready. He presented himself for this sacrificial death when we were far too weak and rebellious to do anything to get ourselves ready. And even if we hadn't been so weak, we wouldn't have known what to do anyway. We can understand someone dying for a person worth dying for, and we can understand how someone good and noble could inspire us to selfless sacrifice. But God put his love on the line for us by offering his son in sacrificial death while we were of no use whatever to him. Friends, the greatest gift this Christmas is that we have a saviour who lived and died for us. Why don't we stand? We're going to pray together this morning. Thank you, Logan family. Pastor Ben's going to come now and pray with you. I just believe in this moment, God wants us to look at Jesus and realize that he paid the ultimate sacrifice for you and for I. He expects nothing in return. But the gift that you can bring this Christmas is your own life, your own sacrifice, your own surrender. Not a great to-do list, not good behavior, not all the things we need to get done in the next seven days. Just simply to come and say, Jesus, I give it all to you. The good, the bad, the difficult, the challenging, the wonderful, all of it, God. You can have all of me, all of my past, all of my today, all of my future. In a moment, we're going to pray with people who want to make that decision for the first time. But I want to say to people who've been following Jesus for years, Maybe this is your 10,000th time in church this morning. He still wants that gift from you. He still wants you to bring your life as a sacrifice back to Him and say, God, it's not much, but it's yours. Lord Jesus, this morning, we say thank you for the gift of your sacrifice. Thank you, God, for sending Jesus, your Son, We are grateful. We are grateful this morning. Just while heads are bowed and people have their eyes closed, maybe you're here this morning and you say, Beck, I don't really know Jesus. I certainly don't have the peace of a secure eternity. I feel like I'm wandering. I feel like I don't know where I'm going. There's nothing you have to do this morning. There's no performance required. It's as simple as saying yes to the gift of Jesus. If that's you this morning, why don't you just open your hands? I'm going to pray for you. If you're saying, I need Jesus today, why don't you just open your hands in this moment as an act of surrender, as an act of receiving that gift. Lord Jesus, for each one of us, every person with their hands and their hearts open this morning would you come right now would you be their peace would you be their strength Lord God whatever weakness we have we exchange it in this moment 
whatever life we have, we receive your life today. Your eternal, abundant, extravagant, grace-filled life this morning. I pray for people in this place that this week they will experience your overwhelming grace and mercy. Thank you for that gift, Lord God. Bless them, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.